I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the <laughs> official podcast of the Gibson Review. Is it official? It, it is. <laughs> yes. In every episode, we express our joy of film by talking about the week in review, what movies and TV shows we have been watching since the last episode. Move on from there to the main event, which is a main review or main topic of discussion, and then finish up with film faves, our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, this is our A24 episode a uh, lot awaited for some in the cinephile community we are going to be reviewing david lowry's the green knight in the main event which is a film from the studio a24 and then we will be counting down our respective list of our 12 favorite a24 movies in the film fave segment so this is an episode that i know has been lawn brewing for the past year Shanna, you've been looking forward to this. I love A24. I think they're one of my favorite studios. Anytime I see an A24 trailer or an Annapurna trailer, I am very excited. Even if it's like a bizarre horror pro-vegan film <laughs> trailer, <Okay. laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I, I still get, you know, an inkling of excitement, <laughs> a little bit of scare, but still excited. Very cool. So let's start diving in with the weekend review. First, I have not been watching anything other than the Olympics. We, at the time of recording, have just finished the first full week, I believe, of the Olympics. We are entering the second week of the Olympics, and that is majority of what I've been watching. I have not been watching any uh, movies or TV shows for the most part otherwise but Shanna from what I understand while I've been working you've been able to catch up on a few things on your own for your week in review yes my week was very fortunate to be able to watch whatever I wanted one of those things was The Handmaid's Tale season four now I went into this thinking oh this is the last season of the show um, and as I was watching, I was like, oh, no, are they going to have enough time to wrap everything up? And no, they would not have enough time to wrap anything up. And so by episode eight, I looked if they got renewed for another season and they did. So there will be a season five. Season four, it's available on Hulu. It's a Hulu show. I can't say anything about this show other than how it delivers in all the ways we need a show to do so. The performance by everyone, the casting choices, the cinematography and writing is all phenomenal. I keep thinking I know what's going to happen and then it's even better or even scarier. This season I felt really put us in the shoes of people who are trying to escape violence of their government, their leaders. It's, it's a very interesting pro get into an understanding of refugees. And that was very interesting. You know, if people don't know, this is a story, of course, set in a post-apocalyptic world where the birth rate has decreased dramatically and there's this fear of population uh, dwindling. There's also a few other things going on, as I understand. And this is happening in America. And what happens is there's a section of America that pulls away from being the USA and forms their own country called Gilead. They're an example of using religion 
in a way to justify their horrible treatment to humans from rape to death. So this show does not disappoint. I look forward to the next one. And I, I think Elizabeth Moss just keeps getting better and better. And I can't wait to see how the story goes next season. I was very satisfied. What I can say about the show is I was very satisfied, very satisfied with the season and how it ended. And I think a lot of people would enjoy it, especially if they had season one. I think it's the kind of show that takes a lot from you energetically because it's so, there's so many pieces that are true that you can relate to as a woman in particular. So if I understand correctly, it hasn't lost its potency at this point. It's not feeling like it's getting long in the tooth by extending another season or anything like that. You feel pretty satisfied with its its punch and, and everything. Nothing's been lost yet. No, they've done a really good job of world building. The system that they created that we got exposed to in the first season or two seemed simple. Mm-hmm. And in season four, we start to realize, oh, this isn't as clean cut as we thought it was. Mm. And they're they're very intentionally being slow about unraveling it, but not in a, oh, come on, let's get there kind of way. Good, okay. It's more like a, is it like this? No, it's not like that. Oh, we're going to hear more about that, you know? So okay. um, I don't even want to share who's in the cost because if someone's seen season one and I mention them about season four, then they might have something spoiled for them. Gotcha. All right, so that is The Handmaid's Tale Season 4 on Hulu. Anything else in your weekend review? Yeah, so I got to watch Amy Tan, Unintended Memoir on Netflix. Uh, It's a great documentary looking into the life of Amy Tan from her relationship with her mother and then looking at her mom and her story and then the success of the book. Oh, now it's escaping me. The Joy Luck Club and the pressure that surrounded it. She talks really honestly about the pressure she feels about being so in the public's eye uh, and then how she finds outlets to that and how she keeps her creativity going. Her life is incredibly interesting. Uh, One of my favorite quotes from the movie is, you can't just imagine the dangers and the horrible things that could happen at the end of it as a consequence. You have to just be there and have a great time And with a lot of risky things, the potential of having fun is so much greater because you find these things within yourself that you just have to go to an extreme to find. So that was really exciting. You also see the Joy Luck Club cast members come together and talk about that experience. There is a really sweet moment where four Asian girls come to her, uh, young girls, and they're, they're probably like, starting college and they thank her for paving the way for Asian representation within the arts and she responds by asking what what they're doing with their lives and they say they're all aspiring creatives and Amy Tan says oh you mean you're not in pre-med and she's just you get to see how freaking funny she is and relatable So I really enjoyed that. I love seeing movies about creators and how they go through the different pressures involved with it and how they come out the other side and how they stay grounded to what they want to do and create. Excellent. So again, that is... Amy Tan, Unintended Memoir on Netflix. Then to wrap this all up, I got to watch Moxie. 
It's an awesome film. It's got great writing and a wonderful production. The actresses are amazing in this film. This is an Amy Poehler project. Paper Kite Productions, I believe. It's available on Netflix and it doesn't seem to be in print. Anyway, when I hit like 40 minutes into this movie, I was like, I need to buy this, but I can't Mm. because it's not available. It's about Vivian, who's 16. She attends school in Oregon and is slowly waking up thanks to a new friend, Lucy, a new girl in school from L.A., When she starts witnessing Lucy being bullied and harassed by the football captain of the school, Vivian tries to ease her frustration with how he treats her and asks her to brush it off and lay low so that he doesn't bother her. Lucy pushes back, pointing out that that behavior is the sign of something deeper happening. And Vivian starts to wake up to the patriarchy and toxic masculinity and all that nonsense. She starts to get angry, like a lot of other girls around the school, and starts a revolution through a zine called Moxie. The soundtrack to this movie is also awesome, featuring Bikini Kill, among others. So uh, a few things about that. First, uh, I think you meant a a zine as in a a self-published magazine, like, like a small periodical rather than a zine, right? Sure. And uh, Bikini Kill is a, a, a punk band. I don't think, are they still around? Did they reform or not? I can't remember. I don't know, but their music, the soundtrack has a lot of the punk rock girls, their movement. Of the Riot Girl movement? The Riot Girl movement. I'm sorry, that's what I meant to say. Uh, who directed the movie? It was, it, was it Amy Poehler? I asked because you had mentioned you referred to it as an Amy Poehler uh, production. This was directed by Amy Poehler and was released released in March this year. Excellent. Anybody notable that stars in it that you remember? Well, Amy Poehler is the mom of Vivian. Okay. And then we've got, I think Nico Hiraga is from Booksmart. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then Vivian is played by Hadley Rob uh, Hadley Robinson. And then we've got Lauren Sai and we've got Alicia Pascali Penna. Huh. I'm not familiar with the with them. There's a lot of faces in this movie. I feel like this girl is from Okay, so she's from the show Saved by the Bell. Oh, the new the new Saved the by new the Bell, one. I imagine. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like it's a bunch of new faces and then the best friend Played by Lauren Tsai is from Legion oh. and Marvel Live. Okay, cool. Excellent. Well, it sounds interesting. So that's, uh, once again... That's Moxie on Netflix. Awesome. Now, you and I haven't watched much beyond the Olympics together for our week in review. But there's a couple things. I didn't uh, put this in the show notes, but I did remember that uh, there's something that I found that I was very excited about finding that I shared with you. The way back in 1998, I think, the American Film Institute, AAFI, had created their 100 greatest movies of all time, right? Now, 100 American films. And this was something that pulled so many people in the industry to formulate this list. And they had a program that counted down those movies. Now, I tracked down this on YouTube out of curiosity, and we got to watch it. It was actually not that easy because there's more posts about other lists that the AFI did, and even it's easier even to find their 10-year revision 
from like 2008 or something, but I did find the original one. Uh, and, and Shanna, what was it like for you watching this? Uh, and, and then I'll share what it was like for me watching it again for the first time in over 20 years. It was very interesting. You know, thanks to you, I've been exposed to a lot of these movies that were coming up in this list. But when we, you know, we watched this with our son and we would, uh, you know, him and I would take turns like asking, had you seen this before you watched this show, mm-hmm. this this list and you would say no and we would look at you absolutely horrified because we don't know you pre this list Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting to share that viewing experience with you Mm. and as far as the list went i mean it made sense it had a nice variety to it it had a bit of science fiction it had westerns obviously and there were a couple other genres represented too. I don't recall. No, crime was represented. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of everything. So it was pretty well made. Mm-hmm. And it was a good reminder about certain films. And I, I wish they would do another one because I think that would be really interesting to... Because things like Minari would count. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because they did that as I mentioned in 2008, and that was at the cost of other movies having to be removed from the list, right? So, you know, 100 movies, it's really, uh, comparatively, when you think about over 100 years, and uh, the reason why it was created was to celebrate 100 years of American film. Um, It's it's not very many, right? And so it's hard to, to compact that list. So it's hard when you start talking about, okay, well, what else would you add from the past 20 plus years? Um, maybe I would argue not many, but I don't know. Was there anything else about like anything that stood out to you? Any surprises? Any, any other thoughts that you had that you want to share about it? You know, certain movies that would, you know, you kept asking, well, what do you think is going to be in the top 10? And I couldn't really think what they would be because I couldn't really read a pattern of selection here, uh-huh, yeah. you know, which was nice. Yeah. And when movies like Psycho came up, I was like, yes, of course. And when movies like Clo- Close Encounters of the Third Kind or Manchurian Candidate came up, then it made sense. When we eventually got to number one, I was like, oh, yes, no, of course, that's number one. <laughs> it's like, oh, duh. Yeah. How could I forget? Because, you know, it's one of those epics. It's like, you know, you, you don't watch it every year. You don't right. watch it every month. But it made sense. Their selection made sense. And... Uh, it definitely made me want to go and watch movies, rewatch movies. I don't know if it mm-hmm. struck mm-hmm. curiosity in watching something that I might not have watched because mm. I think I've watched most of them minus westerns. Mm. Thanks to me, yeah. So not not okay, and I, yeah. what I mean by that is you hadn't seen many of them before we met. Like when I saw them list Manchurian Candidate, I was like, we need to watch this now. Like yeah. I was very yeah. excited to rewatch. So. I want to know what it was like for you when you first watched this Mm. and then what it was like when you watched it a second time. And was there a viewing shared experience for you the first or second time? Well, you know, you alerted to earlier how this list originally had a huge impact on me. I did grow up watching movies throughout my childhood and adolescence but this list came along when i was like 18 years old and you know it was like chock full of movies and moments and you know that have moments and stuff that i'd see reference or whatever or hear lines that's reference and 
it really inspired me to seek all of these out and like try to see them in context become more literate if you will and that really like just put the rocket fuel in my passion and love as a cinephile so there is that and i did watch it i want to say i watched it alone the first time i could be wrong it's been a long time but uh, watching it now with you guys uh, having the list recalled to me and what was really interesting what i really appreciated was hearing the talking heads which were many different types of celebrities many different types of actors actresses and other people in the industry martin scorsese for example was a frequent uh, contributor all these people talking about these movies as we go along hearing what they had to say about them uh, i really enjoyed and appreciated having that experience again it was like a two and a half hour uh, experience if I remember correctly but it felt like it went by very quickly and uh, yeah I really enjoyed it but I'm really glad that I was able to uh, share that with you guys because otherwise you, I can't find it anywhere right I don't know what the American Film Institute website looks like but it would be really smart if they uploaded this or sold it in some fashion even if it mm-hmm. was just oh you know go buy it on prime video you know yeah you could have like a box set of all their 100 years uh, uh lists because yeah. they did comedies i remember doing that next they did actors and actresses they did thrills uh, as they called it and i i think a couple others but yeah that would be really cool so that was really interesting i, I wanted to bring that up um, and now i'm showing you because I was able to hunt it down, VH1's 100 Greatest Women of Rock and Roll mm-hmm. as well, because that's a that's on uh, YouTube. I haven't found their original list of 100 Greatest Artists of Rock and Roll yet, but I, I would love to see that too and share that with you. So one other thing that we watched together in our Week in Review, in prep for this episode, we saw Morris from America, which has uh, Craig Robinson, in it he plays a guy who an american who is living in germany with his son his teenage son and you know he's got some sort of a coaching job and he's you know it's more or less about struggling to raise this teenager who's coming of age in germany and and his uh, teenager struggles in you know kind of fitting in and stuff yeah, so not only is he trying to go through normal stepping stones of trying to fit in as a teenager, but he's also from America. He's also black, and he he's also attracted to an older crowd, and he, he's much younger than them. Yeah, by a couple years. Yeah, what did you think of Morris from America? This was one that you were most interested in catching up with. Uh, did it live up to your expectations of what you thought watching the trailer? Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I am all for things like Eighth Grader, Ladybird, Book Smart, but those are all female experiences, and we hardly ever get to see an authentic, down to earth, good guy experience and trying to come of age and this was exactly what we needed he's not really struggling with the loss of his mom occasion like i think it gets brought up once Mm. he's really just trying to make life work for himself and he's trying to experience things in life like falling in love or being interested in uh, certain aspects of music or certain people 
and he's trying to figure out how it all works and so it was really interesting there's a couple sequences that are really cool like he picks up the girl he has a crush on he picks up her sweater for her and he puts it on a pillow and snuggles you know and I thought that that was really interesting and we never get to see a boy be vulnerable like that so that was good check the box and there's this moment where he's listening I can't remember who he was listening to do you he's in a uh, castle Jay-Z oh was it Jay-Z he was in a castle museum which is pretty from my visit to Germany is a pretty common thing there's lots of villages that have castles and medieval exhibits and he was checking out all those things and then all these paintings and structure sculptures and mm. things started to move and i thought that that was a pretty cool sequence too they're moving with the beat yeah like, yeah mm-hmm. so and then him being mad but not like aggressive mad him being mad and quiet about it mm. was really refreshing mm. so i like the movie I, I don't think you'll hear it from me, anything more about it from me later in the episode, but I did like the movie. I thought it was different from what you normally see from Craig Robinson, which is a very good thing, I think, because when Craig Robinson's good, he's really good, but he's usually in broader comedy. Not so much this character-driven, grounded sort of comedy drama sort of stuff. And I appreciated him. I appreciated the younger cast and and like that. I thought the perspective, I agree with you about the perspective being a unique one and an interesting one. Yeah, I I didn't absolutely love it. I didn't think it was top shelf A24 or anything like that, but it was definitely worth checking out, and I think a lot of people would enjoy it. I give the movie mm, probably a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I would give it a 7 as well. I don't know what they could have done differently to change my mind, Uh but I also wanted to mention like this is also a good father-son movie. Yeah. Because they're trying to figure each other out, and... You know, his son is quickly growing up, and Mm -hmm. like you said. Yeah, well, not as quickly as some of the other teenagers in this movie, but absolutely. Uh, Well, you know, I did say they're a little older than him. Yeah, even so. So, yeah, that's the Morris from America, and that finishes our weekend review and moves us on into the next segment, which is the main event in our review of David Lowry's The Green Knight. Friends, brothers and sisters, who can regale me and my queen with some myth? Or tale? Already. 
him out? Was it not just a game? Perhaps. But it is not complete. You'll find no mercy. No happy end. Why do you stop me? Your doom is at hand. You rest your bones, and I'll finish your quest for you. And what do you hope to gain from facing all of this? That is why Knight does what he does. Are you ready? And that was from the trailer to David Lowry's Green Knight. The Green Knight is a fantasy retelling of the medieval poem about Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. <laughs> Basically, the Green Knight comes on Christmas Day to the Knights of the Round Table and, and King Arthur and, and challenges all those knights <laughs> there to... Want to uh, play a game? Yeah, yeah <laughs> to spit in a game where essentially whoever lands any sort of blow or mark on the green knight will have said thing return to them a year later but that person must go find the green knight in a green church uh, a year later and enjoy life in the meantime so this movie stars dev patel alicia vikander joel edgerton sarita chodhori Sean Harris, Kate Dickey, and Barry Keegan. Quite the cast, directed by David Lowry. What we like to do when we review a movie is we like to first focus on the good, what worked for us about a movie, what we appreciated about a film, before moving on to the bad, what sucked about it, what sort of flaws were or issues we had with the film. Then we try to weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad, give a score, and Finish up with spoilers and final thoughts. So, Shanna, this is a movie that you have been looking forward to for over a year. Because this was supposed to come out originally in 2020. It got delayed for a whole year. You were very much looking forward to this film. Was it worth the anticipation all this time, did it live up to your expectations watching the trailer, your expectations of David Lowry, who directed a ghost story, which I know you you appreciate. You're not so big a fan of his version of Pete's Dragon, but you do like a ghost story. What was good about The Green Knight for you? I did enjoy watching another David Lowry film, and that's definitely what this was. This is a story, you know, David Lowry took a poem and turned it into this really great story, one that keeps you engaged throughout, but it also can infuriate you at times, which is kind of nice. I knew nothing about this film when I saw it was a poem, as you just you know, explained, I realized we have the right person for the job. I feel like David Lowry is really known for his visual, quiet, 
long sequences of explorations about ideas of life or death. Um, and that's definitely what we saw in a ghost story. And that was evident here too. So I'm glad that he's got this style being honed in. I mean, is this his third film? Uh, I think it's his fourth film, maybe. Okay. Well, it's really great that he's cementing his style. I'm very excited about that. The Green Man that you mentioned, uh, well, The Green Knight is what I think is based on The Green Man, who's an old pagan god, but his sim- the symbolism of who he is and what he's about is in different ancient cultures and religions as well. He's the symbol of rebirth, untamed nature, life. He's also a trickster. So it makes sense that he's coming over here to play a game. Uh, There's a lot to talk about in spoilers about this film, but I did like the journey that we went on. It was a little bizarre at times, uh, but overall, I like the film. Uh, I'm forgetting a few, actually, to correct myself. While David Lowry has done a lot of short films, it looks like he's done actually six, seven other feature films. We forgot about The Old Man and the Gun. And uh, Ain't Them Body Saints was the first film that really got him on the map. We haven't seen that Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara film yet. Uh, but that is one of note. And then he did a couple films in the 2000s of note. So anyway, I wanted to correct myself on that. So this is like his sixth or seventh film. I also didn't really know anything going into this. I thought you knew more than me. When in Fairly Cold, all I knew was it was directed by David Lowry. Dave, Dev Patel stars in it. I've seen the poster, and I figured it was some sort of medieval fantasy. Sort of like a, a okay, well, you know the you know King Arthur and the Knights yeah. of the Round Table? Well, here's the story of one of those knights or something like that. That's what I kind of figured it mm. might be. With, like, maybe some fantasy element or something. And, wow, this was interesting. This was very... Is plaintive the right word? It's stoic? It's 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 a movie that's over two hours. It's It, it takes its time, for the most part, with every moment and scene in the film. It's not a movie that's in a hurry to get anywhere. It's all about the journey. It's about ideas. It's wrestling with various different ideas. These themes of man and nature. These themes of uh, honor and and pride and and what we do that makes our lives uh, matter and and notable. And it's about mortality. And it's. It's a movie that I feel like almost requires a second viewing Mm. in order to chew on it and fully process it. This is not a four quadrant movie. And in some ways that's its strength. But I think I feel like I, I will have more to say outside of this segment of the film. Yes, it's definitely a spoiler heavy discussion that we need to have. Was there anything else you wanted to praise about the movie before we move on to uh, the bad, what didn't work for us? It's a very symbolic movie, and there are so many characters and things and elements and occurrences and cinematography that's happening that needs to be dissected. I think it's a good film study film. It requires a lot of research. You need to know who certain key elements of Camelot 
culture are. I don't know how else you would explain that, but you need to know who the people are. That doesn't sound like a criticism against the movie. Well, you said before we get into the bad. Oh, forget what I said. Duh. So I just wanted to add that before we move on to what we didn't like. I think it's worth a watch. Um, I, you know, if if you want an experience, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's worth it. So, okay, then let's move on to the bad. What sort of criticisms, what flaws we had with the movie or issues we had in the movie. I, Shanna, I often let you go first and you very often are, you, you kind of don't really have anything right up front. Is that the case for you with the Green Knight as well? Look, if you're just going to go have popcorn fun, that's not what this movie is. Right. So I don't think that that's a criticism. I don't think it makes the film bad. But if that's what you wanted, you're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you share your thoughts and I'll see if that sparks anything in me. Well, you're absolutely right. This is not a popcorn entertainment escapist film <laughs> that that maybe people are used to with like a Pirates movie or something else, you know, along those lines. Uh, this is very adult, very thought provoking. You know, someone I, I saw a critic. I can't remember who it was. so I apologize for not giving them credit. There was a critic I saw who said if Terrence Malick had directed Game of Thrones, it would be this. And for anyone who's familiar with Terrence Malick, who's focused on in law and beautiful shots and like, taking a very long time to tell those stories and stuff like oh you know that that kind of makes sense it kind of fits with what this movie brings to the table i don't think i can handle game of thrones being any longer than what it was (laughs) (laughs) well it's certainly more like introspective right Mm -hmm. He, he brings a very introspective very thoughtful very heavily thematic you know aesthetically poetic aesthetic to things uh, and that's definitely the case here. I, I After the first... Okay, so the first 20 minutes of the movie, you have the knight coming in, and he kind of says the deal. Hey, uh, who is brave enough <laughs> to try to land a blow on me? Is there any blow? Any blow you make on me, I, I will return to you any year's time. You just come find me. I'll be in this uh, this green church, and we'll finish this. And, he really puts it on the person. Yeah, and to come find him. Okay, so first of all, what does Gawain do? He's like, no, I'm not going to just like poke the guy. I'm not going to just like do the, you know, I'm going to get this thing back. I'm not going to just do the minorest of injuries. No, I'm going to full on decapitate the dude. He's not resisting. I'm going to just go all the way, decapitate him. No problems could possibly <laughs> arise from that. And so, which I'm like, okay, wh- why would you jump to that, first of all? Oh, Did yes. you not listen? So I do have a problem with this film. That is my problem with this film. <laughs> it's like he bit off way too much than he can chew because he obviously felt like, well, if I'm epic about it, yeah. I'll become a knight in no time. Yeah, it's like, except the dude just explained, you know, you're going to have the same thing returned to you. Did you not believe that? So, I don't know. Maybe he was like, well, if I cut off his head, he can't do anything to me in New York, can he? But that's obviously not the case. Anyway, no, so... No, you have a giant creature here. Yeah. And 
you know, later he claims to believe in witchcraft and magic. So yeah, yeah, but so you have this guy right off, and he's laughing. He's like, ha ha ha. And so that happens, and I can't help but think, what I'm getting to is, I can't help but think, from that moment, I'm like, good God, is this movie just about seeing Dev Patel get his head cut off? Is that what I'm in for? This whole, the rest of the movie is just about him going to go get his head cut off. Oh God, I don't know. And in a way, it kind of is. It's like this protracted journey (laughs) to to, uh, Dev going to get his head cut off to put it in the most simplest of terms so what you have to be willing to do is appreciate the journey yeah <laughs> um, because there's a bunch of different random encounters he has and by the way the the green knight made it sound like it was just a few miles away he's like oh you know no, no. just six six uh six nights I don't know how you interpret miles but if someone tells me it's six nights away that's quite the journey. Yeah, but not like a month. Like he left like way ahead of Christmas, right? No. And yeah, yeah, because the Lord, I could swear the Lord says, oh, it's like December 1st or whatever. You have some time. Kick back. Enjoy yourself. Whatever. Your Mikasa is Sukasa. And it's like, hey, want some deer? I'll get you some deer. It, it, he definitely has time, and he t- has time t- enough to have a bunch of shit happen to him, run into a variety of different characters. It's also very episodic in its design, right? Because so, you have literal chapters. They're not called chapters, but you, you have sections with names, right? In, in font, by the way, I couldn't always read. Well, apparently he, he stays for six nights just at Sir Bertalak's yeah castle. Okay. The okay. So, so yeah he left like a long ass time before christmas mm. okay anyway i'm just saying i was given a different impression than how long this fucking journey is to this uh, green green chapel so you're I right know. i did have a problem i i i definitely had a problem with the font choice i know you're uh. trying to be very medieval here but but do it as the first letter of each word you know and then be done yeah. with it and make it more readable and you know, yellow is very jarring and very warning-like. And so psychologically, it was a little upsetting, but... Well, and they weren't consistent fonts either. It seemed like they were they varied up the fonts. Mm-hmm. And so some were more legible than others to mm-hmm. me. And so, I, I don't know. I, I was like, why are we doing that? Do we... When I was trying to like read what it said all my mind said just yeah <laughs> i couldn't even find a phonogram right yeah and so and otherwise i was just left with this overall feeling of the movie and been like huh <laughs> i all right i don't all right and and those, those reasons we could talk to briefly at spoilers as well but those are just my initial like impressions of of what didn't necessarily or issues I had with the movie. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add? The thing that bothered me was that he went for the head. Why didn't you just cut off a finger? You know, or not cut anything off. You know, <laughs> we don't have to be in excruciating pain here. Rather than asking for a sword and getting Excalibur, by the way, from Al Arthur, which is kind of badass if you're in the know. But, um, you know, hey, I need a pin. Anybody got a pin? I'm going to poke this guy. <laughs> I'm going to draw blood. 
All right. Well, I think he wanted, it was definitely a display of masculinity, right? Yeah. It was, I need to do the most horrid thing so I can prove myself to all these knights around the round table. And in my opinion, it's like, hey, it's the knights of the round table. You don't have to be an idiot. <laughs> these are all grown men who, you know, their testosterone levels have decreased, you know, just because yours is at the height of its height. Like, you don't have to be an asshole. So... Anyway, that that bothered me. But the more I think about the film, the more I realize, you know, he had to go on this crazy journey. And uh, if you recall, his interaction, Garwin's interaction with Ken Arthur, Ken Arthur says, can't you tell me a tale? Can't you tell me a myth? Right. Tell me a story, you know? Right. And then lo and behold, he has an opportunity to have a story lived right in front of him that isn't about him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think... You're- so, actually, we, the viewers, were given the game of... The, the rule of the game as well. The rule of the movie. Which was what? Tell me a story. Here's oh, the story. Okay. So, we're kind of being told the rules as well. Okay. Interesting so. point. Interesting point. And as far as the, the decapitation, I, I, I think you're right. But I also kind of think, like, maybe... Maybe there's a certain degree of, well, he, you know, he can't do anything if he's dead. Maybe we wouldn't care if, like, he just does a scratch or he just chopped a hand off or something like that. We wouldn't really be that tense during the movie. So, okay, let's let's move into spoilers. Let's let's give our thoughts of whether or not the good outweighs the bad. And then moving into spoilers because I think we have a few things to talk a little bit more freely about here. Does the good outweigh the bad for the Green Knight? Absolutely. Okay. What do you score the film? I give it an eight. The more I think about it, the better I think it is. Okay. <laughs> what are you gonna give it? This movie's weird. This movie is really weird. And I I have a pretty diverse taste in film. Uh, but this movie is a little weird for me. I'm not sure that everything in it is fully satisfactory for me. And I'm still, to an extent, trying to figure out where where I sit with this film. Maybe another mm-hmm. viewing will really help that. But for the time being, I'm going to give it a little bit of credit for how much meat is on this very thin bone in terms of uh, plot structure. There's a lot of meat on there, a lot of things to chew on, a lot of um, things that you could have a whole like literary discussion with especially if you have a familiarity with the myth and, uh, and, and mythological structure. But I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. It is not a, is not a film that really blew me away and, and uh, overwhelmed me. So, yeah, I give it a very mild recommendation. Very mild recommendation on my end. Shannon is definitely more in favor of it. If you haven't seen the movie, take that for what it will, for what it is move uh, you know skip ahead in the show notes to the film fave segment where that timestamp is if you have seen the movie come join us come along with us to the spoilers discussion and final thoughts we're about to have for the green knight starting now okay shanna you said off mic there is a lot to chew on in this movie and just just way more than we have time for yeah. to talk about. And I I agree with that. But what are what, what is something you did want to bring up? Well, I'll bring up what we don't have time to talk about briefly. I'll say that there is a lot of Camelot 
culture, Camelot mythology happening here. There is so much that, you know, we get a glimpse of Merlin. I forgot that, you know, Arthur's sister is Morgan, Morgan Le Fay. And that's important if you've watched the Merlin TV show <laughs> and, and other things. You're talking about the miniseries with Sam Neill as Merlin? From like the oh, 2000s. Oh, come on, that, that shit was awesome. It was maybe shit, but it was awesome too. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Anyway, I mean, that really was a good intro. I'm curious if they, they bring Garwin up in there. But I think you, if you're like, I'm curious, if you're like a diehard Camelot fan, I wonder what that experience, viewing experience was like for that person. Mm. We we are not. I'm li- I think I'm maybe more familiar with that culture than you are. Uh, you know, I did, that- I did join Monty Python in their quest for uh camelot it it, it ended up being you can't just... see my face <laughs> listeners <laughs> it, but it, it's 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 annoyed <laughs> it ended up being a model sure great that's great that is so americanized even <laughs> though it's, i know it's british i know it's british i know what the british made <laughs> okay <laughs> all right so let's talk about spoilers this you know you spoke about there's so many themes there's so many things to chew on one of the things to chew on in this film is how overbearing a mother can be with this decision of i'm not going to go to the christmas party i i have things to do and one of them is to create a game to really make you grow a pair or get you into position of being a king because apparently it's made clear to us that King Arthur doesn't really know Garwin that well and this is his nephew and Gawain they... Gawain oh I'm sorry so you know. I just keep thinking it's Garmin the GPS yeah I was so... gonna say that <laughs> so I apologize. It's probably going to happen a few more times. Anyway, so there's a couple of interesting things going on here and one of the things is mommy wants to control things. She's definitely on the side there, you can see she's kind of manipulating things from behind the scenes. She makes the Green Knight come. She is the fox. She is the blind woman later in the story at the castle. And uh, I, I don't know if she's anywhere else, but she's definitely present in those moments. And that made sense to me. As so, you were watching it? Uh, I was unsure about the blind woman, but had an inkling you know, if you're going to converse with spirits or if you're going to travel spiritually, you, you're usually blindfolded. So, all right. Anyway, <laughs> I, anyway, I, so. seriously, I didn't, I had no idea. I was like, what is that? How we're not even going to acknowledge the blind woman in the room. What? Not even a hello what, or a nod. Not right. Like, yeah. is this your mom? What happened to her eyes? Why, why are they covered? What? Why is she staring at me while I'm in bed? What, what's going on here? I, the and theme I didn't, of overbearing mother. Well, okay, I don't, I don't know. That's an intentional theme <laughs> of the movie per se. And even like you, you explain, oh, this is all like to help him become keen. And I'm like, let's follow this logic. The keen is alive, and and how does this plan work necessarily? Because like the keen has to not be alive in order for doesn't didn't Arthur ever sire children? And and all this not over here. There's, there's so many things that just didn't quite fall into place or make sense for me. And, and I certainly, by the way, also didn't catch that the fox was his mom also. I know foxes have been used as guides or, or protectors in other myths, too. I feel like in another movie we saw, too, and I can't remember what it was. Well, we it see was... it in Wild, and that's her mother, too. Wild, yeah. Yeah, what is In a way. 
So the Celtic belief, mm-hmm. and that's what we should go with, uh, the fox is seen as a spirit guide who helps navigate the spirit world. Spirituality, creation, omens, and the afterlife. All right. And can be a trickster. So. Uh, well, that really throws things off. But, you know, okay, spirit guide. All right, gotcha. Uh, d- by the way, did that fox ever bother you in terms of how it looked? Because to me, um, it looked it looked very much like a CG fox. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely wasn't a real fox. And if it was, they did a piss poor job of it. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely CG to me, and I got over it. All right. Fair enough. You say there's a lot to chew on, and I think that there is a lot to chew on with nature. There's a lot with nature in this movie. Can't go into that too too much, but there's there's a lot of little things. Um consuming nature relationships with nature the fact that the green knight is natural looking i think is metaphorical in some way uh there's a lot of things having to do with honor he's very you said earlier he's he's very concerned about like him being honorable he goes through what you explained to me was a test with the lord's wife who was a very saucy alicia vikander who alicia vikander played his girlfriend too right yeah so you know according to the article that i read that breaks things down uh his mother creates the situation of temptation but it's also a way to get the enchanted rope sash back to her son as well I find that greatly unsatisfying and frustrating that sure. it, it comes from a mom rather than it just being like a couple people that he encounters and it being its own thing. Mm. Um, her creating a photograph was really cool because you don't see that necessarily, especially in a medieval story. What was I saying? Saucy Alicia Vikander tempting, tempting him and everything. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, 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 oh. What I was saying was about, like, uh, honor. Mm. And she says to him, oh, you're no knight after, you know. Yes. Doing stuff. Whether or not he was honorable and, and things. There's a lot of things like that that we, you know, to chew on and really dissect. If you were to have a literary course on this movie, you could totally absolutely do that. What is it you, you're, you're chomping out the bit to say? There's a lot here, and maybe the best way to go about it is to see it in phases. So there's pre-leaving for the mission, the Mm, journey. mm -hmm. Then there's the first encounter with the guy who doesn't feel appreciated about giving advice of where to go or manipulating him into... The forest to steal from him. Yeah, that that thing okay. is what Barry That's Keegan the better was doing one? There. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the next phase is Winifred encounter where please go find my head that was weird and oh and then backtrack it's just it's so complicated that's why this is kind of all over the place but like i'd say phase one is like interaction with the green knight and then leaving phase two is interaction with thieves and he has this moment where he's tied up and can't do anything about it and he's like well what do i do do i just lie here and die and that's our first sequence our david larry sequence that we get yeah it's a long tracking shot is what you're referring to beautiful 360 yeah camera movement at first i was like what the hell is going on because you see a skeleton i'm like oh end of movie and then (laughs) he goes back and he's alive and i guess that's the first indication of like him thinking what could happen yeah well this is his imagination going through the help of david larry and then you know he sees the the sword cuts himself out of the ropes and moves on 
terribly because he's got no clothing really. Right. He's not really prepared for winter and snow. Then the next phase is his interaction with Winifred. And Winifred says, please, this ghostly figure comes to him and says, please, can you go find my head? It was cut off. Did you cut off my head? Someone else cut off my head. This very confused ghost. Yeah. And that was interesting. You know, she has this moment where, like, he's about to touch her because he's like, is she real? Right. And she says, don't touch me. A knight should know better. And right. that was very interesting. So the thieves kind of make fun of him wanting to be a knight. Uh-huh. and say they can do his quest for him, uh-huh. you know? And then the second part, then that next part with Winifred is like, you should really be more careful with me and treat me properly. Uh. He finds the skull, reattaches it. Her skeletal remains are gone. Lots of fun. And then the next phase is the castle and the temptations. Does the interlude happen before or after the castle with the Lord? The Lord is at the castle. Yeah, I know. What interlude? The, with the fox and the giants? Right, yeah. Okay, so then there's the fox and the giants. And so let's talk about the giants for a second okay. there. Beautiful interpretation of what they would look like. What was that about, though? I mean, the, he asks to go with them, and one is about to pick him up. I thought and, she was going to squish him. Well, you know, he thought maybe too, and then the fox stopped the giant from doing that, howled, they all howl, and then... They continue walking, and I guess he continues walking with them, following them. Hmm. And then we do this really like obvious uh, camera turn, which is always to represent things going up, turning upside down. Uh, We're entering the other universe, kind of thing. Okay. Mirrorverse. What would you? Is say that what you're is? saying? It's usually when you're entering a different world. Okay. Like. Alice looking glass. Yeah. All right. Mickey Mouse when he goes on the other side of the mirror and things are a little topsy-turvy. Okay. Okay. I typically interpret that as someone's world being turned upside down or okay. things going haywire or whatever. But that seems like a valid reading, well, what you're saying. It could both work. This is a movie that does not spell anything out. No, it's very you. much you need to go figure it out. And I'm usually championing that. <laughs> but this thing is like... Is this too much for you, Jeff Gibson? It was Gibson? fairly esoteric. I think that's the right word. It's just like, what is happening? Okay, so what else do we want to talk about? Then the next phase is obviously the castle, the temptation of flesh, and the Lord makes a deal with him and says, whatever you get, you give back to me. Yeah. And he doesn't really do that, whether it's objects or physical affection. Although the Lord does give him the fox. So he is good on his word. Yeah. In a way. And, you know, he journeys with the fox. And that's when the fox actually talks for the first time is when he's right by the water to get to the mm -hmm. green chapel. Yeah. The fox says, don't do this. The mother says, don't do this. The mother probably didn't think he'd get that far. None of this is adding up to me. Because, okay. again, going back to the beginning, what I didn't speak to was... Mom, who's like, eh, I don't feel like Christmas. You go ahead and have fun. She decides to go and have her own little fun, and mm -hmm. and has like this incantation or whatever, where she writes out the whole letter, and and burns it, and it produces Probably the green got knight. Transported to the green knight. All There's right. a lot of interpretation. My point is here. that she created the situation, I guess. Yeah. And now she's trying to stop him? 
even though she gave him something to protect him you know everything having to do with the mom really just doesn't add up or is satisfying to me or make much sense yeah i know yeah yeah it sounds like it does for you though i'm fine with it i i think it's an interesting element to the story it's like i want my son to go on a journey i want my son to become king things have to happen to make a man a king you know experiences experiences have to occur oh no wait maybe i've gone too far I'm fine with the ping pong, you know? I'm like, look, as parents, just forcing our kid to go do chores can feel like we're helping them, and then sometimes it feels like we're not. So I'm fine with it. I know it's two extremes, but I'm fine with it. It is. It's not ver- if that's what it is, it's definitely not developed very, very well. Well, let's fast forward past mommy issues and get to, you know, he arrives at the Green Knight, and it takes a day and a half for the Green Knight to wake up and know that he's there. Not just so. to wake up. I mean, I mean, not just, I mean, like he wakes up and just looks at him for a long time. Mm. And then I guess goes back to sleep. <laughs> and then eventually he starts to stir and stuff. So they have this whole thing of like, are you ready? You came to do this. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going to do this. Here I go. And I think my first clue should have been maybe that something's not quite um, legit is when the Green Knight says, okay, I'm going to start chopping now, <laughs> which is a really kind of silly line. It, it probably wasn't the best choice. No, no, no. Just let me finish okay. because that's not what I'm saying. Oh, um, sorry. I'm saying it's a very silly line for something that is, you know, he, he's going to be able to do in one blow. Typically, so in real, real life, that's not always how it happened. Some people suffered while being beheaded. It's very gruesome. But anyway, we know that he, he was probably going to make a nice clean slice. And then Dev Patel's like, no, wait, okay, no, wait, okay. And then what happens is he says, no, wait, and then runs off. Essentially, very briefly here, lives a whole life it's as our a king. second Dave Patel. Uh, I'm sorry, our second David Lowry panning, transitioning, exploration of life. Yeah, sort of. It's not all in one. I mean, like, it's, it's obviously not one uh, cut because so many no it's just a sequence yeah it's a long yeah uh a son happens with he goes back to the woman he loves has a son with her and then is like bye bitch and like takes the son away from her decides to marry some other random chick when the son's like two so time has gone by it's not like the son like right away what do you mean you're talking about when he's married or what he gets married when the son is like two years old it's wriggling and oh okay okay gotcha yeah okay i hear what you're saying yeah so all this stuff happens his kingdom starts to fall apart and then it's revealed oh yeah that didn't happen this is apparently all stuff that he thought would happen which is by the way some pretty shitty things to think uh, if i leave this is exactly what i'm going to do i'm going to impregnate that bitch i'm going to take her child i'm going to leave her behind and abandon her and i'm going to marry some other woman and i'm going to be king it's like wow you're a bastard (laughs) you know and uh he ends up like i guess say he's ready to be cut and the green knight kneels down next to him and they have this brief conversation do you want to pick it up from there not like he says i'm ready now actually Mm -hmm. and he kind of the green knight runs his finger through you know over his throat and says 
now off with your head and that's where it ends well there's a little bit more to it okay well, I, what I totally am I, forgetting? I forgive you for having a fuzzy memory because i have a, a little bit fuzzy memory too but he does make a point of like he i thought there was a motion across his throat it felt very playful like getting back to the spirit of this being a game and it was like a game to test oh. his on- sense of honor and courage mm. or something. That's kind of like that last little beat of the Green Knight say, no, off with your head. And he not actually cutting off his head. It made the whole thing feel like, uh, th- ha ha ha, got you. <laughs> it would have felt better if the Green Knight laughed again, <laughs> like just right. for complete closure. Yeah. Because so- it's up for interpretation. I suppose, but that was how I took that, and I thought that was very deliberate in those choices. I didn't, I didn't necessarily think, oh, it's very vague, but I could see how someone might think it's up to interpretation. I thought this was all a very lengthy way to satisfy King Arthur, because how I envisioned it is that he would somehow get out of having his head chopped off, and then he would go to King Arthur and tell his tale of his journey and King Arthur would be pleased and make him king as opposed to someone that wasn't blood. I don't know how Mm. Camelot law works, but I thought that segment with the green knight at the end was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it turned, you know, I just read earlier, it turns out there is a post credit sequence where a young girl puts the crown on her head and someone had said, Oh, is that the daughter that he had? in the sequence the visual sequence the vision of his future yeah but i thought he had a boy in that vision yeah but he also had a daughter with the noble woman who became his queen oh okay i forgot that yeah did you also mention i don't know if you did but like eventually he takes the sash off at the end of that vision and his head falls clean off yeah that's a good point so that was interesting pulls out of his body it's almost like he's bravehearting himself well it's also very green which again goes back to the themes of man and nature that i had alluded to yeah of of pulling this like is almost like a vine out of his belly for something just being fabric it was very gory yeah inducing but very interesting yeah it's something but very much in alignment with a24 and it's uva overall so yeah anyway any last thoughts you had about the movie before we move on no i i thought it was a, a great movie about a journey about a story as bizarre as it was at times there... you know you kind of add fantastical elements like just like in life of Pi. You know, there's one way you could tell that story and then there's another way you could tell that story. So maybe that's maybe that's what they're doing here, too. I don't know. There's obviously a lot to talk out with somebody about this movie when you see it. A lot to chew on if you're open to that sort of thing, that sort of film experience. If you're okay with a movie that isn't immediately satisfying um, aesthetically satisfying per se and and is obvious to you in in its uh, storytelling then there's there's a lot that you may uh, get out of the experience of seeing this film i feel like it's been a long time since i've gotten to watch a film like this so i was pretty pleased that something like this came along very good uh, a little bit less satisfying for me overall though 
But what did you think of the Green Knight? What did you think of our thoughts and uh, some of the things that we're wrestling with with the film? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. And now it's time for Film Faves. For those who aren't familiar, Film Faves is a segment inspired by a feature on the blog where we count down our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. Now, the reason we do this is, A, for you to get to know uh, our taste in film, but also to help expose you, hopefully, to movies that you may not have heard of or haven't seen yet. And to that end, we try to let you know when movies are available on subscription streaming platforms. Very often, more often than not, movies are not, but you can rent them on Amazon. But in terms of those platforms, we do focus on Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Apple TV+, Hulu, and Disney+. Plus. I think that's the only one I didn't mention. There's yes. like five or six we do. Uh, we do 12 because everybody does five or ten and then mentions honorable bell mentions. I designed so 12 includes those honorable mentions that would not quite fit into a list of five or ten. And that is typically everything that we would consider for a list. Now, in this episode, our focus is finally on A24 movies. Now, for those who aren't familiar, A24 is an independent film company that got its start in 2013. They are films that are originally produced and are distributed theatrically by this company. The first film to come out under A24 was in February of 2013, A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III. And they have released films at a very frequent rate every year since then. Shanna, you have been really looking forward to doing this list. And, you know, someday you want to also do an Annapurna list too. Similar type of company. Now, the thing about A24 is they are known for their quality. They distribute or produce uh, high-quality, sometimes art-house sort of films, but they're stories that attract talent. And uh, you'll probably hear that reflected as we go through our list, but, but Shanna, we also know that A24 doesn't have a perfect spotless record as much as people like to think. Has there ever been an A24 movie that you've seen that you didn't like? I would definitely have to say it's Woodshock with Kristen Dunst. Mm. And that was just, I was so excited about it. I was excited to see her. And unfortunately, it just, you know, when you're an athlete and you're taking the run up to do the jump and you stick the landing, well, they just did a little jump and then fell down. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel about that. How about you? Do you have something that you didn't like? Well, you also didn't were not a fan of Free Fire, which is another movie that you were highly anticipating. It was an ensemble film that had Brie Larson and Shelto Copley. Yeah, that was unfortunate. It wasn't as brilliant as I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, I uh, I've seen how many how many A twenty four movies did I say tell you I saw? Like it was something well over forty, right? Like close to fifty A twenty four movies. Yeah, it's a very proud number. Well, it, you know, look, there's eight, there's a hundred and five movies by my count by the studio, and after preparing for this list, yes, it was forty seven films that I have seen. Yeah, there's a couple that I've seen that I I was not a fan of. Um, Woodshock was shockingly awful, but I also was not a fan of The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, yeah. I had a hard time with that one. I wanted to like it, but I had a hard time. And you did like it more than me, as I recall, but uh, that almost put me off of Logos Lanthimos, the director, for a while. Like, I wasn't even excited about The Favorite at first when that came out, mm. you know, because of Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, there's, like, maybe one or two others I, I'm looking through here very quickly to be brief, and there's not a lot. There's a few that I'm very, like, meh to, but, you know, overall, most of the films I have seen are definitely films that I've enjoyed. I There are other movies that I have not seen that have a reputation of not being great, Tusk being one of them by Kevin Smith, and um, Barely Lethal with, I think it was Elle Fanning in that one. Um, I also wasn't a huge lover of Spring Breakers. That was a hard one for me to get into. And Ginger and Rosa. Those were two of their first uh, few films. But... I think what we have seen demonstrates that there is definitely more to love than to not with this particular studio. And that's why with The Green Knight, we wanted to take the opportunity to highlight that since Green Knight is by a 24. Shanna, was there anything else you wanted to say about the process of crafting your list? Was it hard to pare it down or anything else you noticed? What was interesting about making this list is I knew what I liked and it was very much uh, if I liked it, I put it in the list and it became one of my longer lists. It was about 17, 19 films I had to pare down, which is a little unusual for me. I'm usually really picky and it's hard to fill up the 12 spots. A24 is really good at portraying experiences, whether it's simply showing the experience from a person's perspective or presenting it to us in a conceptual way. With a person's perspective, it's based, you know, it's most of these movies. Uh, But a good example is Morris from America, a teenager who is, you know, 13 and going through hormonal shifts, you know, that famous scene of the sweater on the pillow. And in eighth grade, it's the scene with the banana. Uh, But for the conceptual delivery of experiences under the skin uh, is a brilliant example of that. Mm. So coming up with the list, I relied on that. Like, what are the experiences like? But it looks like two on the bottom bottom list uh, are more like, here it is delivered as a concept. So that's how I went about with that. I noticed that in my favorites, there's a lovely representation of experiences. In my list, I'm missing sexual orientation representation. You know, we talked a little bit about that earlier, and then I remembered, oh yeah, Moonlight kind of fits the bill for that, but it is not, you know, one of my favorites. Mm. Brilliant Mm -hmm. film, but not a favorite. I typically love most A24 films. I 
think they are a fantastic company and I get equally excited when I see them coming out with a movie and Annapurna. Mm-hmm. So, because I always know, like, chances are it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any A24 films that you wished you had seen that you, you just didn't get a chance to see? Oh, yeah, there were a couple. You know, I wanted to watch Morris of America, and we managed to fit that in. And then there were one or two that it looks like I don't have the notes for anymore. Mm. But I also noticed that coming back to that question about A24 films, I also noticed that I love the scores mm. in A24 films. There's just something really awesome about them, especially in their tr- their trailers. Mm. A24 movies are hardly myopic. There's, you know, there's the main story that we have, and then... They really know how to flesh out their characters. Mm. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, so for myself, I had, I want to say, over 25 films that I needed to pare down to 12 that were just in my rough draft of, okay, you know, movies that stood out out of their 100-plus films. And that was hard. I had to basically organize it in terms of like, okay, which one would I rather see and kind of go from there one by one, right? And there were a couple movies that I wish I'd seen. There are probably a handful more that I wish I'd seen again before this list, but there are a couple movies I wish I'd seen. The uh, the There's a film that's always been elusive to me by Anna Bowden, she co-directed with Ryan Reynolds and oh, someone whose name is escaping me right now, but it's called Mississippi Grind. I did not get an uh, opportunity to squeeze that film in. I want to see that. And then a new new releases, Zola is in theaters right now, but like nowhere close to us. I would have to see it in Seattle and make an hour drive just to see it. And there's a documentary coming out. Apparently, it's on limited release right now. It's going to hit Amazon Prime in August about and by Val Kilmer, the actor. And I'm really looking forward to that. I wished that had been able to squeeze in its release before recording this list. But those three movies are the ones that I wished I had been able to see. So, Shanna, without any further ado, unless there is more ado on your end before you dive in, why don't you let us know what your 12th favorite A24 movie is? My number 12 is Room. That is the one starring Brie Larson. She won the Oscar for her performance in that and Jacob Tremblay. Uh, Brie Larson is a kidnapped girl. I think she's 14, 15 when she gets kidnapped. And she's held captive in a very small enclosed space. She then becomes pregnant and gives birth while captive. And we get to see how she becomes a mother in this very incredibly stressful situation. Very strong performances by both of them. Very interesting story. And, you know, I don't want to say too much because I feel like it would be a spoiler. But I love the performances. I love how tense I feel. Uh, it's a great film. It's from 2015. Excellent. My 12th favorite is actually a new discovery for me, one that I 
caught up with while preparing for this list. It is from this year, I do believe, or no, actually it's from last year, my mistake. It's called Boys State. It's a documentary that hit Apple TV Plus. It's a pandemic era movie. So it got sent to Apple TV Plus in August of 2020. What it's a doc, what it basically documents is this very interesting thing that happens every summer where a thousand teenage boys attend what's called Boys State in Texas. It's like a, a program that's intended to get people involved in politics, to understand politics, to build their own fictional government and have and hold elections and kind of um, build the, 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 the government from the ground up. I thought it was really fascinating and some, I know some people have found it to be a, a kind of depressing movie and I can understand why that is especially given the past few years and the tactics that have definitely been implemented uh, for the past, I don't know, several elections and how that might be reflected in this film. While I feel like it does lend some credence to some things that are definitely despised about politics... I think there's also a little bit of hope that there there are people out there who want to do good and want to serve the people and want to actually be public servants as they are intended to be. It's a fascinating documentary. I highly rec- recommend checking it out. Boys State on Apple TV Plus from 2020 is my 12th favorite A24 movie. My number 11 is available on Netflix and really worth watching it's from 2017 a ghost story it stars casey affleck and rooney mara as they go on this casey affleck kind of goes on this journey uh after he passes away he appears as a ghost simply with a white sheet over him and it's very interesting how his spirit tries to reconnect with his wife who is mourning the loss of him and this film does a lot of interesting things you kind of see time going by you see time somehow going backwards somehow going forwards and it's just really interesting how they show the concepts of a space or a home or people moving on through life. Very cool. My 11th favorite A24 film was one of my favorite Scarlett Johansson movies that I mentioned in the previous episode. It is 2014's Under the Skin. Now, Scarlett is front and center on the poster, and that's because... She is the character we're following. We don't know anything about this character, and this character is not exactly verbose. But she is driving around in the streets of a Scotland town at night and constantly asking uh, men that she sees walking alone if they want to ride. And the reasons why kind of slowly get revealed to us. And then... 
it, it's fascinating because in the third act, it sort of turns on itself and um, becomes such a fascinating discussion starter. Uh, it's one of the best and most fascinating and most creative and thought-provoking sci-fi films of the last decade. And so anytime I get an opportunity, I'm going to champion this film. Under the Skin 2014 is my 11th favorite A24 film. My number 10 is available on Prime. How fun. Two films in a row that are available to stream. This one is from 2019, The Lost Black Man in San Francisco, starring Jimmy Fails and Jonathan Majors. This is one of those films where the first few minutes, the opening is just amazing. And just from that, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so when does this get the criterion treatment? (laughs) This is about a young man searching for home in the changing city that seems to have left him behind. This is just lots of things being addressed in this film and given to us in a beautifully visual way uh, through fantastic performances by these brilliant actors. And it's, a lo- it's, it's really just a journey that you kind of, you know you're on a ride with them the film starts with a skateboard he picks up his friend and they both move around on the skateboard and it's very interesting Jonathan Majors is someone that people will become even more familiar with as he is cast for a prominent role in the MCU coming down the line Uh, great film I knew it was going to be on your list I didn't expect it to be so low on your list I definitely thought this list was very difficult I thought it was going to be a top six movie for you so I'm interested in seeing how that shapes up my 10th favorite A24 film is my first overlap with you it is 2015's Room directed by Lenny Abramson Written by Emma Donahue, the author of the source material. And man, I, I know for some people this is a tough, tough watch. But I think that it is a great film. One of Brie Larson's best performances of her career. And definitely, I think, proved herself for those who hadn't seen oh, the movie that she did a couple years before about the the youth program. I just forgot the name of it. People are screaming it at, in my ears right now, I'm sure. But she's, a, she's fantastic in this film. Jacob Tremblay, of course, was a discovery in this film. And it's just uh, one of the strongest dramas of the past 10 years. So that's Room, my 10th favorite A24 film. My number nine is Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson, also from a Scarlett Johansson list for me. Uh, You've spoken a little bit about this. I love this film. I mentioned earlier how sometimes we're given experiences presented to us in a conceptual way, and this is one of them. Uh, It happens in the third act, so I can't really speak beyond that. And it's totally worth a watch. This is also one of those kind of leaves you an uneasy creepy feeling yes at the end yes well throughout uh, is, the whole thing right oh uh, yeah i guess so which is kind of how women feel most of the time i i feel that way most of the time which i think that's interesting especially when you can take into consideration the score throughout the movie you know i never really thought about maybe it's kind of subverting that feeling and making the audience feel that way and in this case it's oh um the dynamic between a woman and a, and towards a man so that's, that's a really excellent point. Lo- love that film. Such an excellent film. 
my ninth favorite A24 film is another one of your picks. It is a, a ghost story from 2017. It is available on Netflix. I don't know if you mentioned that or not. I did, okay. indeed. Very good. This is by David Lowry. stars Casey Affleck, as you mentioned, and, and Rooney Mara, who is fantastic in it. Casey Affleck, you know, the, most of the movie, he's under a sheet, right? And sometimes you're like, <laughs> well, that doesn't necessarily have to be Casey Affleck under there. I wonder how much of it is his performance. But from what I understand, most of it actually is his performance. And he really needed to learn how to be both minimalist but also expressive while being covered head to toe and that's fascinating but Rooney Mara's performance is also fantastic and as the woman left behind the grieving widow I were they married or were they just engaged I I don't recall okay I I feel like they're definitely one it if not the st- other it was a strong relationship yeah, though for reals and uh, a beautiful film beautiful score and use of music to it uh, as well. Uh, That's a film that's just always resonated with me since I saw it and became more and more resonant and stronger feelings for me. So that is my ninth favorite A24 movie available on Netflix. That's our third overlap. Indeed it is. My next one is Lady Bird from 2017. This is taking place in 2002. Uh, A 17-year-old girl in Sacramento, California is going through, you know, her senior year. She's trying to break away from everything that's been a part of her life, her whole life, and she wants something new. She wants to go to New York. She wants to be, you know, live that creative life. And it's, it's a movie starring Saoirse Ronan and, oh, who is her mother? Oh, Laurie Metcalf. Yes, Laurie Metcalf. And their relationship is incredibly relatable. I remember watching this film with you and you were just baffled by their attitudes, dialogue, and love-hate relationship with each other. And it's completely relatable for girls and moms because this is it's all part of the process. Uh, all of us have this rite of passage that we go through, but it hurts and... Sometimes it's horribly uncomfortable. Uh, It's one of the most relatable movies for that time of a girl's life. And it is available on Netflix. All right. So my next favorite A24 movie is what? My eighth favorite now? It is from 2015. It is The End of the Tour, which is a drama about David Foster Wallace starring Jason Siegel, as said author, and Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, this is directed by James Ponsolt, who I think did a couple films for A24. I thought this film that, uh, that basically documents this interview that this journalist, David Lipsky, was going to do for, I can't, I want to say it was for Rolling Stone. Yeah, I think it was Rolling Stone magazine. It never got published, but it documents that interview with him. And you think that would sound boring, but you got to understand a lot of these times, these, these feature interviews take place over days and the writer just hangs out with the subject for a couple days and they have all kinds of conversations and the, the writer is observing the person and they'll ask him 
key questions for the article and stuff. And so it actually is pretty interesting. And the discussions that they have, the kind of bristly resistance David Foster Wallace via uh, Jason Siegel has towards the attention and the kinds of questions is really interesting. And I, I just think this is a greatly underrated film and uh, one of the best dramas of its year. So that is the end of the tour from 2015. And that is my eighth favorite A24 film. My number seven is from 2020. A Kelly Reichardt film, First Cow. This stars a lot of people making little appearances, but our main characters, if I remember correctly, are John Magara and Orion Lee. Mm, Orion Lee, yes. Oh, apologies, Orion. Like Orion the company. Anyway, Dylan Smith is in it. My favorite, difficult to pronounce, Renee Aubergineau. Hey, not bad. Okay, cool. And Ewan Bremner and, oh gosh, so many people. Dylan Smith, even. So this is a film about sort of the beginning of people coming to the United States and trying to set up base, trying to make a fortune, you know, make their way of life here. Well, particularly having moved their way all the way across the country to the Pacific Northwest. It really is an immigrant story i think this is maybe my i have like three immigrant stories in my list uh you know oh i don't relate to that at all anyway this is all happening in oregon and a man basically wants to cook and then his friend is able to be the business savviness of it all Mm -hmm. so they're a great pairing together and watching their relationship you know, watching them nurture each other in their goals in life is beautiful and how they share knowledge with each other and experiences. Again, that whole experience thing coming into play is so beautiful, so sweet. And and just one of those like lovely relationships that, you know, you hope that you're lucky enough to have. Very cool. My next favorite A24 film is from 2016 it is a movie that you were anticipating quite a bit that year and ended up being one of our favorites is 20th century women by mike mills possibly my favorite mike mills film starring annette benning l fanning greta gerwig billy crudup and lucas jade zuman it's it's mike mills ode to his mom essentially um but it's this story of this teenage boy growing up in the 70s and his his mom is a single mom and she's doing what she can with him but they also have like these friends and these people who rent rooms out of their house and and two of them uh, two of the aforementioned are women and the mom kind of is like you know he really needs other perspectives other than me in his life and and tries to get these two other women to help raise him in a way and annette benning gives one of her 
career best performances and a career full of fantastic performances. She was nominated for Best Actress by the Golden Globes. I think she should have won that award, if not nominated also for an Oscar for this performance. She's fantastic. Greta Gerwig is wonderful. Elle Fanning. The whole cast is uh, wonderful. And uh, Mike Mills does great work here. So this is 20th Century Women from 2016. It is my seventh favorite A24 film. My number six is from 2018, Eighth Grade. This is about a introverted girl trying to make her way through her last week of middle school uh, before she heads over to high school. This movie stars Elsie Fisher, Josh Hamilton, Emily Robinson, and Jake Ryan, just to name a few. What this movie does for people like me is really shows us what kids are up against right now, what they are battling with, what they're trying to fit in with. Not only are they trying to fit in within physical space, they're trying to fit in within online space. And Mm. that must be, I can't imagine Mm -hmm. because I have a hard time fitting in just with one. And as soon as I got comfortable with the one, the the other one came, you know? So I, I can only imagine what kids are going through right now and it just makes it so difficult because generally speaking kids don't articulate what's going on when it's happening to them we might only hear how things are going 10 years from now after they've had therapy you know uh so what this film does is it really gives us you know that compassion meter showing the perspective of a teenage girl what is it like right now what is it like having this device where you can get all the information you need on things and you know how awkward does that make it for the parent <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, it's very interesting excellent i knew that one wouldn't be on your list i also thought that would be a top six uh movie for you well it's number six there you go my sixth favorite since we're in the halfway mark now is another documentary it's from 2015 it is amy Directed by Asif Kapadla. I'm going to quote David Joseph, the CEO of Universal Music UK, who stated about this movie coming out. He said, about two years ago, we decided to make a movie about Amy Winehouse, her career and her life. It's a very complicated and tender movie. It tackles lots of things about family and media, fame, addiction, but most importantly, it captures the very heart of what she was about, which is an amazing person and a true musical genius. I agree with that 100% in terms of what this film succeeded at accomplishing. It also succeeds at accomplishing this rise and slow, um, what's the word, not disintegration but maybe disintegration of this particular person caused by the people around her kind of leeching off of her and and definitely not helping her towards a successful and healthy life as we know unfortunately very powerful uh, film to see in anybody who is younger who just like was too young for amy winehouse's peak should definitely check this out as well to get to really kind of get it why she was such a talent in just two albums so that's amy from 2015 my sixth favorite a24 film when did she pass away i'm not 
positive, but I think it was somewhere around 2011 or 2012. It's interesting because there's a couple articles coming up on social media about how paparazzi and the media needs to still apologize for what they did to Amy, their contribution to helping tear her down. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm looking her up right now, and it looks like 2011 is when she passed away. Okay, that explains why that's coming up. My number five is our next overlap for overlaps. It's oh. 20th Century Woman from 2016. Uh-huh. I love how you described it. I think that this is one of those really fascinating films that really shows how if we're bringing people into our children's lives at this sort of rough time that they typically have, you know, the more experiences of women, the more experiences of men, and being able to share that with the children is invaluable in shaping who they will become mm. yeah i'm not that's another one not surprised to see on your list uh so now we're in my top five favorite films by a24 and so it's going to get interesting here my first one is from 2019 available on amazon prime it is the farewell directed by lulu wayne starring aquafina in the native Chinese language, it would literally translate the, t the original title to Don't Tell Her, which I thought was interesting because uh, that's just like a thriller. But at the same time, you watch the movie, you know, exactly. You understand that title, right? You see this poster of the sweet grandma surrounded by people that love her. Right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, fantastic film. A very beautiful and surprisingly touching film from a couple years ago or a year and a half ago, maybe. And I just always loved it. It's a bilingual film in English and Mandarin Chinese, which is uh, very, very cool. It's sometimes, it, it is sometimes funny, but it's not an out-and-out -out comedy necessarily. It's more, comedy comes from maybe situations that happen. Not so much broad reaches for comedy. But Aquafina is really impressive here. I love her performance in the film, as is the woman who plays her grandma, who, if I remember correctly, is Zhao Shu Zhen. Fantastic actress. Love her in this film as well. That is The Farewell, which is available on Amazon Prime, my fifth favorite A24 film. My number four is a Lynn Shelton movie from 2014, Laggies, starring Kira Knightley, Sam Rockwell, and Chloe Moretz. I love the authentic depiction of Seattle in this film. Uh, before I get into what the story is about, <laughs> yes, it's a story about Seattle. Such a great depiction of Seattle. They go from Ballad to Bellevue, everything in between. It's two very contrasting environments. Bellevue is brand new. Ballard has been around since I don't know when, but it definitely has history and roots, a mm. uh, feeling of rootedness to it. So I, I love how they film Seattle in this one. What is this about? It's uh, about a woman trying to figure out her life. She's going to... Gross, grocery outlet and comes across these teens that would like her to buy beer for them and she's like this is a rite of passage I'll do it and hilarity and weirdness sort of ensues Sam Rockwell is this is probably my favorite performance or favorite character that Sam okay so it's more like favorite character because really yeah because performance wise I think I'm still three billboards Jojo Rabbit kind of 
end of things. But uh-huh. okay, favorite character because he's this lawyer and he's like, why are you this grown ass woman hanging out with my teenage daughter? <laughs> yeah. You know, and he has really comedic moments in physical and de- uh, line delivery. Yeah, that's one I knew would be on your list. I didn't expect it to be in your top six, but I knew it would be in your list because you're a a huge proponent of that film. One of these days, maybe after I'm done with Disney, we should go through and watch all of Lynn Shelton's films and uh, and talk about them Mm. because I think you'll love them. Uh, My fourth favorite A24 film is a film that not only did we review not that long ago, because it is a 2021 film, but we also named it as the best movie of the year so far. It is Minari. Love that film. Directed by Lee Isaac Chun, starring Steven Yun, Han Yeri, Alan Kim, No Kate Cho, Yon Yu Yun, and Will Patton. I hope I got those pronunciations decently. You know, um, it sounds like you did Will Patton pretty well. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. I, that was the hard one. I, I was really worried about that one. So this is a semi-biographical take on um, Lee Isaac Chun's upbringing. The plot follows a family of South Korean immigrants who try to make it in the rural U.S. during the 80s. You talked about this movie earlier. We've talked about it two, three times now already in the past seven months or less, uh, certainly the past five months. And it's just a movie that's, again, like many A24 films, it resonates with me. Farewell resonated with me. The Ghost Story, both of those films, um, and and this one is just a movie that has like comes back to my mind from time to time, and uh, and I have some sort of an emotional resonance with it as well. Beautiful film, ended up really exceeding my expectations. So yeah, it ended up being my fourth favorite A twenty four film. So that's again Minari from twenty twenty one. My number three is Obvious Child from 2014, starring Jenny Slate. I think the best line from this movie, or trailer, so it's not a spoiler, is I would love to just suicide murder them. And she's a comedian. She's in her 20s. She has a one-night stand, and she's trying to navigate what to do uh, about the result of that. The experiences that overlap here are awesome. The laughter that happens in this film is hilarious. The mother-daughter relationship is great and totally relatable. Uh, Jenny Slate is awesome in this and makes me want to see her again and again and again. I I forget about her and then I think, is my only experience of her with Parks and Rec? But it's not. This has a really realistic depiction on the process of abortion and somehow... This film is funny as well as relatable and further really makes you think about how important access to safe abortions are. Very cool. My third favorite A24 film, you know, it might have gotten ranked this high because part of me was like, gosh, I really wish I could have seen this movie again. I want, you know, in terms of that question of which movie one by one would I rather watch again um, and so maybe this was kind of influenced by that question um, since I haven't seen it in four or five years it is 2016's Swiss Army Man now this is a surreal comedy uh, kind of a black comedy that stars Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe for the for most of the film it's directed and written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. 
in their respective directorial debuts. And that alone, like I being reminded that this is their debut blows me away because it's so creative and so well executed. Let me tell you what it's about. Dano plays a guy who's attempting suicide after being lost on an island when he sees a corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe wash ashore. He develops a friendship with the dead body and discovers that he can manipulate the cadaver like a Swiss army knife. And, and this cadaver has all kinds of different (laughs) abilities depending on what he does with it. Yes, there are fart jokes, but there are a lot of other jokes as well. So it's not completely lowbrow. And, it also is elevated by its third act reveal and the the core the emotional core of the film that is the cause of all of this daniel radcliffe is not just a limp body or a stiff body as you as maybe is the case uh lying around he does have dialogue as well uh with paul dano it's a, a love it or hate it kind of movie for sure this is not a four quadrant film as is the case for a lot of a24 films hello the lighthouse and uh i just was really taken with it so it is my third favorite a24 film that's swiss army man from 2016 it's interesting how our third favorites have very interesting humor mm-hmm. like how they present humor is very interesting and varied all right, Shanna, we are down to your final two, your two absolute favorite A24 films. What is your second favorite? Number two is available on Prime. It's from 2019, The Farewell. My favorite quote from the trailer is, a person's life is part of a whole. There's this be- You've described it beautifully, but I love it because there's this push and pull of leaving the country you grew up in and trying to come to terms with things changing, Life moves on if you're not there. Life moves on if you die. Life moves on if you're not there. And it's super interesting to see the... It's not necessarily about immigrants, but it kind of is. Because grandma's two sons, one moved with his family to America and one moved to Japan with his family. So... In a way, that weaves itself into the story and is kind of a way of fleshing out the whole of the the side characters. But it's also a, a great movie about the relationship with grandma mm. and how do you honor that. Mm. Fascinating. My second favorite is your third favorite. It is Obvious Child. Wow, it ranked higher for you. It did. I, of course, uh, discovered this a couple years after its release. Kind of a back burner thing that I finally made time for and then eventually showed it to you because I knew you'd, you'd appreciate it. I didn't expect it to necessarily be an absolute favorite for you. Uh, but, you know, it is it is fantastic. And I agree with you with regards to Jenny Slate, I really wish I saw her in more roles like this. It's almost been 10 years since this film came out. It did come out in 2014, and I have not seen her in more lead roles like this. And I really wish I could. This is directed, I don't know if you mentioned it, but this is directed by Jillian Robespierre, who is fantastic. And I'm looking at what else she's directed since i haven't seen her other two films landline and pisces uh but 
Uh, this is a definite, definitely a great directorial debut, and she wrote the script as well, based on her short film. That's Obvious Child from 2014, obviously a movie, no pun intended, that we both champion. It is my second favorite A24 film. Jenna, I think I have an idea <laughs> what your favorite A24 movie is. Okay. Go for it. What, well, I was going to tell you. Oh, okay. Why don't you share with us your favorite A24 movie? This is my number one. It's a story about immigrants, entrepreneurship, a couple's ups and downs, a wanting of family back at home to be back, to come to you, be with you to help build your life where you immigrated to. It's about the struggles and the highs of that roller coaster ride, it's Minari. I love this film so much. It is finally, a, the Blu ray is finally a price we can afford. So if you've been waiting for the price of the Blu ray to drop, go and get it now. The performances are amazing. The cinematography, the music, the story, it's all just about perfect. I actually, actually, this is not the movie I expected you to have as your favorite. I'm actually shocked that this is your favorite. I, I expect, I would have absolutely expected this to have traded places with Lady Bird, which I thought, I, I forgot that you had mentioned earlier before, oh, because gotcha. my God, you love Lady Bird <laughs> so much. I can't believe that was ranked so low on your list comparatively. What is it in the bottom six? I don't think it's, it's in your number top six. It's number seven. Yeah, and that's you know, crazy. it's made a lot of lists mm-hmm. really high in other places. But Minari is just one of those package deals that's really amazing. And uh, yes, Lady Bird makes me cry and laugh. But Minari, it just it speaks to my immigrant experience there's little you know it's those experiences that i talked about earlier Mm -hmm. that are represented in all these different little ways the yearning for mom to come live with you the wanting to have a better life where you've moved to that you've always wanted to move to and still playing the ping pong game of missing things from where you grew up Mm -hmm. the way that the daughter cries you know grandma's daughter cries because she brought a whole plastic bag of a particular spice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that she has missed is completely and utterly relatable it just from from a product point to i just want you here with me I, i want our family to be together it's just a brilliant movie in so many different ways well my favorite a24 film the one i would be keen to watch over all others is actually Lady Bird <laughs> from 2017 on Netflix. Uh, I, I absolutely okay. expected this to be a shared number one. Oh, honestly, our lists have so much overlap. We were we, we have six overlap. I thought it was eight actually. Uh, it might be eight. I could be wrong, but um, oh, sorry, it's very close, dangerously close to needing a, in a shared list. Uh, we were just. You're right, we were just age. a hair away, um, but uh, I'm glad that we we didn't do a shared list, and and so we could get a proper feeling of how we feel about each of these films and understanding because there's some movies I I expected 
you to love more than me and 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 uh this was definitely one of them uh, it, you know and this is a beloved film for many and many cinephiles as well Saoirse Ronan is highly thought of for her performance in this but I think Laurie Metcalf you're right to highlight her as well she's fantastic in this film uh she's just a just a powerhouse as well Tracy Letts is in the film great Greta Gerwig this is her second directorial effort here and it's the one that I think like really set the bar in terms of what Greta Gerwig is is capable of for so many people everybody's going to probably say it for every release do you well is it as good as Lady Bird do you like it as much as Lady Bird or whatever uh, great film. I don't want to put it up on a pedestal per se as one of the greatest films of all time, but it's certainly one of the best films that A24 has ever released, and it's one of my favorites. You can find it or catch up with it if you haven't already, or even revisit it if you feel similarly and don't own a physical copy on Netflix. So, those are our favorite A24 movies. What are your favorite a24 movies feel free to email us at the gibson review at gmail.com shanna that's gonna about do it for this episode before we talk about the next one why don't you share with people where they can find you online you can find me on instagram at shanna underscore paxton underscore photography and on flick chart spellbinding a all right, go to thegibsonreview.com to find feature articles, reviews, past episodes of The Movie Lovers, the Disney Through the Years series of articles, which are currently on pause because of the Olympics, of course. Uh, hopefully, you'll see another article in a month on there. Go to social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook slash The Gibson Review. Instagram at the Gibson 99 I do bracket polls there. We, at the time of recording, were in the middle of a Scarlett Johansson poll, and so uh, that's probably going to be over very soon. I will update you on that one when I can. You can also go to the Gibson99 on Instagram to see what the update was on that bracket poll. I'm trying to think, did we do another bracket poll since our last episode or were we in the middle of one i think because we did scar uh, uh double features i don't think we did have one but yeah you can always keep on on top of things at the instagram account there also go to flick chart the gibson 99 okay so next episode of the movie lovers episode 113 it will be our review of the much anticipated suicide squad the suicide squad not to be mistaken with Suicide Squad. This is by James Gunn. I think it was our most anticipated movie of August, one of our most anticipated movies overall in, su in the summer. And we'll have a full review of that film and do our film fave segment around sequels, favorite sequels. So keep an eye out for that on Tuesday, August 17th. And then following that, you'll also catch a bonus episode of our fall movie preview. In the meantime, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.